And the survey says, one more for the cool guys. One more for the cool guys. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back for another edition of Locking Up, a black pro wrestling podcast. Uh, I am uh, one third of your host, uh, hailing from parts unknown via Asbury Park, New Jersey, the beast from the East, James B. Knight. And I'm uh, two thirds of your host. Uh, I still don't know what my official from title and what well, I'm Keen, Keen Cobb. Uh, nice to nice to be here. Nice to have you listen to to us. <laughs> uh, the the third third uh, will be here. Uh, right, he's out there making the making the jokes, making the making the, the ha has. Yeah, yep. yeah, funny. Even say about it. Now's now's a chance. the funny bones are being tickled um and that voice you hear who could that be uh uh that ladies and gentlemen is a very special guest that we have this week a man that you know and you probably love uh because we do uh give it up for AEW's own bryce ramsberg Man, if you hate me, you are way out of luck. <laughs> check the description or check the, what's going on here. But it is a it is a pleasure to be with uh, the two of you that you know were able to make time for me. I we can't speak for you, third, third. Uh, but you know, Asbury Park, New Jersey, a beautiful town. And I don't know if you know this, James B. Knight, but there is a venue in Miami, Florida called the James L. Knight Center. Uh, where yes. we make the wrestling sometimes, going back there in October. So, uh, you know, you're just one initial off from a 40-year-old building that smells like <laughs> cigarettes in Miami. <laughs> fun fun fact about that at James L. Knight Center, there was a, a time uh, within the past year or so that they did follow me. Um, oh. But apparently I must have said something egregious because they no longer follow me. That's not surprising. <laughs> Knowing you, that's not surprising at all. So. How, long, how long did that take? Is it a couple hours, a couple days? To do it? I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to say it was like a month or two. I don't know. Was, I didn't keep up with it, but man, we had a we had a nice run, I guess. <laughs> Regardless, Twitter follows or not, a, an absolute delight to be with you, gentlemen, this evening. Uh, thanks for thinking of me. Thanks for having me. Uh, always a pleasure to talk about wrestling with wrestling fans. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Thank you for being here. We are. Uh, very small operation, so you know. We appreciate uh, I apologize it. for all the, the the scheduling was a bit of a nightmare. That was all on my end. I'm sorry about all that. But we're here. We're talking. It's happening. At least two thirds of us are here. <laughs> uh, but we are. We're, we're doing it. We're, we're chopping up. We're talking wrestling. And I also wanted to let you know that I appreciate that. So so many instincts are to make a a uh, a wrestling podcast. You know, the chair shot or the blood or whatever. But like locking up a very like Simple. low key Just highlight. Mean. Right, right, but but a good lockup is underappreciated, right? Like a, oh, real, yeah, so. a real solid good lockup, like that's what's up. So like I I appreciate the name of the podcast and and your time and your invitation. Hey, hell yeah, thank you. I do. Yeah. The, the only thing that I do know about uh, um, you know, the 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 art of professional wrestling, like outside of being a fan, is that. You can you if you do a bad lockup, it can it can fuck a lot of things up. You could yeah, you the can, ball rolls downhill quick. Like, right, right. 
poke him in the eye. That's like, especially if you've never wrestled someone before, that's kind of like the feeling out process a little bit, you know? You get in there and like poke them right in the eye or something goes wrong right away. Like, oh boy, we're off, you know, the whole, the, the whole, the flow's off. The whole system's off. No bueno. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think a good chunk of our show would be taken up by this, but I'll say this. Whenever a match starts with a really good, solid mm, lockup, I'm I'm mm-hmm. literally locked in. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. They know what the fuck they're Game doing. On. Let's that's go. Right. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, that's yeah. important. Every the, the the real pros like the the Bret Hart's, the Ricky Steamboats, the Randy Savages. You know these guys you go back and watch. Like every little thing matters. Every little crisp thing matters. The way they sell a move, like an arm drag, or like I don't like you guys. Ever, I'm what I'm a big fan of this match between Bret Hart and the One Two Three Kid on Raw, in like the summer of '94, mm-hmm. and the commentators this weird combination of like Jim Ross and Randy Savage, and the first spot is like. Um, the one two three kid gives him a, an arm drag, and Bret Hart sits there. He kind of looks at the camera. And he kind of nods, like, "Huh, okay, it's gonna be like that." And uh, yeah. Dar- Darby Allen and CM Punk like legitimately did that spot beat for beat last weekend, yes. and I was like, Chef "Oh kissed. man, yeah. what, right? yeah. like, what, what a specifically tiny special thing to to duplicate, but for the right person, for the right fan, Chef's kiss indeed, like right on the yes. money. That's what I, I remember that too. Like I, it. it that jogged my memory seeing them like somebody posted on Twitter them being yeah that, I, that I didn't realize what was happening I didn't realize yeah. what was happening maybe because I couldn't see Punk's face because I was literally phys- physically behind him uh, <laughs> but I, when I saw it on Twitter I was like yes 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 it does a lot too because like I, as a kid I remember that and I remember um, I think it was him beating Razor Ramon the one two three kid oh Razor yeah Ramon. yeah I that was huge those two that's what, I think that's like, about him his name right. Yeah, That's what yeah, that yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, like then that made me care about that character, the one, two, three kid. Like, how else are you gonna make us care about this? Like, have Bret Hart and Razor Ramon, two already established dudes, mm-hmm. like put him like over. Like, yeah, like this kid can fucking go. The moonsault that bonks him on the head with the knee. It's like a <laughs> this weird, like kind of crooked, wonky moonsault. But yeah, he was made. He was made from there. Hell yeah. Um, so I, I mean, for those who are uninitiated, I mean, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, Bryce, like where you're from, where a little bit, a little Bryce, bit of history. Bryce grew up in uh, Palmyra, Pennsylvania, which is the next town over from Hershey, Pennsylvania, which is where I uh, saw the first live event I ever went to was uh, December of 1991. The main event was Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair. So, you know, it's all downhill from there. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I was eight years old, so I spent a lot of time and money in the Hershey Park Arena. Uh, Raws would come, pay-per-views would come, TV tapings would come. One, Ric Flair won, won one of his world titles there. I was there for that in 1992. And then when I was able to drive not only did i get to start going i would you know go to philly and jersey and new york for a couple of shows and pittsburgh um but then i discovered um independent wrestling when i was about 15 or 16 and that was like you know there's no guardrails and you can go and you can like touch the bottom rope and for five dollars you can get in the ring intermission and king kong bunny will pretend to choke you and it'll be hilarious uh and that's when i like really like my that's when i realized that this is something i could be involved with when i discovered independent wrestling i never saw myself on raw or because i was you know five five and uh, afraid of contact and i'm very fragile and gentle 
mental, both physically and emotionally. Uh, so being a referee was kind of a, a outlet, a, a way to bypass that, especially on the independent level. I can go to all the shows. Eventually I might get paid to go to some of them. I get to travel to all these places. I don't have to pay for tickets. Uh, you know, I just get to be part of it without all the concussions, uh, etc. So that was kind of the appeal for me. Um, two of my favorite independent wrestlers when I was 16, 17 years old were uh, Reckless Youth and Mike Quackenbush, who were guys who traveled all over. They were very well known in the late 90s and early 00s. And they opened up a wrestling school called the Chikara Wrestle Factory, which existed for 17 years in Philadelphia. Um, uh, then I And they, they opened in Allentown, Pennsylvania. I was a freshman at Temple University, and I was like... I have a license. I have $500 for a down payment like this is meant to be. So I went to the open house and it was instead of, you know, I was worried it was going to be these giant football jocks that were going to like, you know, you know, make fun of how small I was, but it was, you know, hardcore punk kids. It was comic book nerds. I was like, oh, these, I can be friends with these people. This I can do. So Chikara for many, many years, almost his entire existence was kind of like the house, the, the house for wayward wrestling spirits. Uh, it was the, the the house for the nerds and the geeks and the, uh, you know, people that didn't think they could and uh, did in many cases. So I trained there and I, it was a very much a hobby of my life for legitimately almost 17 years. And uh, when I was, uh, you know, I had, had a three-year-old son thinking about having another kid and I was like, maybe this hobby isn't worth my time, this thing where I travel everywhere on the weekends and get paid 50 and $75. I, I, sorry, guys, I told you I wasn't going to talk about money, but there I said $57. <laughs> uh, <laughs> once in a while, I get flown somewhere. I go to England a couple times. I've, you know, been to the West Coast, been to Canada a bunch. Like, it, I, I had a great, you know, a lot of great friends, but it just wasn't really the equation of time and energy versus time and energy being away from home and coming home being tired and missing out on my kids growing up on the weekends and stuff and having a day job all along was just the the math was not there and then AEW opened it fell out of the sky it's a, a, a dream that I didn't have because I didn't think it was possible uh and it is operated by a wrestling nerd that is 38 years old just like mm. me who also happens to be a billionaire <laughs> not like <laughs> me uh, but you know he Tony and I can joke about the same minutia from Raws in 1994 uh we can quote the same SNL sketches with Phil Hartman and Dana Carvey like he <laughs> is a wrestling nerd that is my age um we have the same points of reference when when Tony's dad, who is also a billionaire, um, you know, Tony got good grades or something in high school, and he said that your dad said, whatever, whatever you do, we can do it. Tony wanted to go to the ECW arena and see ECW <laughs> in like 1996 <laughs> as a 13-year-old with his dad and his billionaire father's just like, what is going on? <laughs> There's chairs at the ring, you know? Like, what, what Why does my son this? love this? Right. What is yeah. happening? <laughs> So, God bless behold, him. his son, who took that love, and when he became old enough, and his dad said, all right, you're up, Tony, what, what's what's going to be your thing? And he said, I'm going to start my own wrestling league. And he did. And he went and got a TV deal from TNT. And he went and hired uh, Cody, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and a bunch of independent guys. And I came along not, soon after, not too long after that. I was at the first event in May. I'm, I'm like a, kind of a Gen 1 AEW guy. I'm not like very, very beginning, but I was among the first wave of people hired. I've uh, already re-signed for three more years after yeah. my first two. Right, right, yeah. right. 
Um, not quite a billion, not quite a billion, but I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of something that other people think is so exciting and watch it grow brick by brick, day by day. Um, you know, obviously it wasn't nothing. When it started, it was, you know, the first event was in Las Vegas, 14,000 people, you know, the, the most people I'd ever performed in front of before that was like 1,500 people at a county fair that were half paying attention, half eating cotton candy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and this was, you know, the MGM Grand in Las Vegas, 14,000 people, and I remember walking to the ring and being like, oh my God, and then I realized, like, yeah, it's a bigger deal, but there's still three ropes, you know, there's still four mm-hmm. corners, it's the room rings a little bigger. There's a few more cameras, but it's really this thing you know how to do. Um, and there's some there's some stuff you have to adapt for. And a lot of it is, you know, I'm sure you've probably noticed that we wear earpieces. That's a lot of a lot of a referee's job in TV wrestling is um, directing traffic, conducting the orchestra, call it what you will. You know, being the messenger, um, the 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 director in the truck can talk to us. The agent, mm-hmm. the coach, the match can talk to us. Tony himself gives us the time cues personally himself. That comes right from Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little button in our pocket where we can talk back to Tony, so I can have full conversations with my billionaire boss while we're on live television, which has that's happened so before. Uh, and that <laughs> just makes it all. You know, he asks me a question, I can I can either nod with my head, I can make it with my eyes. Um, I'm starting to get. You know, unfortunately, I've said this before, and this is an awful thing, but wrestling in, during a pandemic, which is in front of no fans, and we did some edited tape shows, really gave me a chance to get kind of like my sea legs under me. I got, I got, mm-hmm. I built a lot of confidence doing, you know, when there was less pressure, when there were no fans in the audience, or we were, you know, we knew we had the safety net of a tape show. And I yeah. did, you know, my first world title match, my first pay-per-view main event, this was all in empty arenas in front of no fans. And then brick by brick, step by step, you know, doing world title matches in front of fans full of people. And then, you know, I'm in the ring with Darby Allen and CM Punk and the most watched pay-per-view in 20 years somehow. And it's like, I don't know how I got here, but I don't, (laughs) I have no intention of getting off this ride anytime soon. So uh, it's just uh, some happy accidents, some happy purposes, a lot of being in the right place at the right time. But I, um, Anytime I feel a little bit tired, a little bit frustrated or whatever, I stop and pinch myself and take a deep breath and remind myself that I have among the coolest jobs in the entire world. And I'm very, very lucky to have it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Kind of hey, Bryce, what's up? It's, it's Marsley. Uh, hey, Marsley. Our third, third, third. <laughs> yeah. Uh, first... you, have, you have a big good show at the Chuckle Hut tonight or wherever you were? <laughs> 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 sorry, it, was, sorry. it was a, a, a stand-up showcase at a place called Ray's Happy Birthday Bar. Oh, yeah. so you smell like Marlboro right now. Yeah. Like, yep. I used to live three blocks. I used to live three blocks and raise happy birthday bar. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I used to walk I used to walk to work in the morning, or then I'd be walking my son to daycare and there'd be people in there ripping shots at 7 30 a.m. And it's like, wow, <laughs> a happy a happy birthday indeed. It's like you usually you, you usually only see this at airports. <laughs> For real. For real. It's so Philly. It, right? it really is. It really is. Such a subset. But um, yeah, real quick, man. Uh, first of all, I'm super excited about this interview. I, I was driving very fast to get here so that I can hop on. I hope it was safe. I hope it was, it was very safe. It was fast, yeah. but safe. Um, but uh, <laughs> really quick, man. Um, I just got to give you your kudos. Like, seeing you on television, um, you're fucking great at what you do. <laughs> you really are. Like, because like very, very the referee is like such an integral part in in wrestling and like all of us were we're wrestling fans um but not everybody pays attention to 
the physicality of a referee and like the attention that they pay to to the story and like the, the role that they play in the story. But like just honestly, man, just seeing you, um, how animated you are, how into it you are. Um, I'm like, it's I'm you know, just kind of knowing you makes me super proud because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that dude like did sketch comedy in Philly. Like he's one of us. And That's it's very like, nice of you. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, so a, I'm a fan first, though it comes through. Yeah. And, you know, like I'm, you know, turned up a little bit for television sometimes, but I like, I love wrestling. Like I've loved wrestling since I was eight. I'm not like, you know, I didn't get hired from central casting to be a pro wrestling referee. So I, <laughs> I appreciate you saying that my enthusiasm, my enthusiasm comes through because it is very legitimate and very real. And I am sometimes a, you know, wired up hyper type guy and <laughs> might as well channel that to something and do it on television for a million people. You know, I was, I was, right, like, right. I'm, I'm very, very lucky, I, but I, I appreciate the kind words. That means a lot. I, yeah. I've been, I'm going to turn on every, every Wednesday. I get a bunch of hate tweets, not a bunch, a, <laughs> a few hate tweets. Oh, he's making the show about it. So I'm going to, I'm going to direct them right to you from now on. I got you. Thank now, you. Thank, real quick thank, question. Thank, thank um, you for the kind words. Thank you. Of, of course. Of course. Um, my question, like just to, to biggie, uh, piggyback off of that. Do you have any like specific referee influences like that you that was gonna be my first question there's a gentleman by the name of uh his real name was brian hildebrand and he was a referee for smoky mountain wrestling in the mid 90s and then wcw in the late 90s really like scrawny skinny guy short guy uh he did all the cruiserweight matches on nitro or a lot of ah. And, and he was oh, like yeah, always yeah. a little animated. He had like a little bit of mustache, a little bit of mullet sometimes, which I'm not quite ready to fully uh, <laughs> embrace. Uh, but um, he's one. And there was a guy called Tommy Young that used to do a lot of the like Ric Flair NWA title matches. He, you know, Flair would always call the spot where he would shove Tommy Young and then Tommy Young would shove him back and Flair would take a big bump and back off, yeah. you know, like. Yeah. Um, uh, Kenny Omega does that spot with Paul Turner sometimes. It's really fun. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, th th those two come to mind. Those are just guys that were like, you know, um, part of the show and in ways when it was time to be part of the show, but not too much part of the show. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that a, a big difference, in, you know, this isn't a, I was telling them before we started recording, it's not this big us versus them thing, but WB has their way about doing things. AEW has their way about doing things. Sure. And a lot of the time we get like, oh, you call the referees by name and they have a personality and like Rick Knox does the Young Bucks matches and Aubrey does Chris Jericho's match and Bryce does Orange Cassidy's matches and they all do little ticks and you know sometimes Bryce gets a little silly and sometimes Aubrey gets a little serious and you know like Knox and Bryce are both bald and people get confused on Twitter all the time and that's okay and that's okay but 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 I like that you know it's not just the nameless official that you don't say their name like UFC referees have personality. I don't watch UFC, but I've been told yeah. this, you know. Sometimes you get into, like, the big, you know, Stanley Cup and World Series. Like, you're going to get the these creme de la creme umpires, referees, wherever it is. And, like, why should wrestling be any different? Um, yeah. What does it hurt to say our names or give us a little bit of a personality or, you know, yeah. I don't know, marry us to some acts or some talents or some storylines? Like, yeah. you know. I really am good friends with I'm really good friends with Eddie Kingston, for real. We train together. I've known him for almost 20 years. So why mm. not sprinkle that into the show you know what i mean like 
What's, oh, yeah. what's the harm in that? So I appreciate that we are allowed to be ourselves. And yes, I am a little anime. And yes, I overact sometimes. And I've never once been told to tone it down by anybody I work for or any of my bosses. So great. Eat, eat that, <laughs> Twitter trolls. But it's a, it's a place yeah. where we can be ourselves, you know, and you get a lot like, you know, you'd never be able to act like that. WWE. Well, I don't work for WWE. So sorry, you know, like. I have a boss that respects me and appreciates me and hired me for who I am and, you know, watched me referee for Two Invisible Men and told me he loved it. So, <laughs> and, and he, you know, he, he's a billionaire, so I don't know what to tell you. Um, but but it is a very positive work environment. There's no, you know, we the, we don't have a, another thing I am proud of is, you know, back in the day, and for better or worse, it was, all, you know, Earl Hebert did all the world title matches during the Amputee He was the senior official. We take turns. Uh, we've all refereed pay- main event pay-per-views. We've all refereed world title matches. We've, we've. If you watched a month of Dynamite, you'd probably see all four of us refing the main event of Dynamite. Yep. Same, yep. same for Rampage. Like, we're a team, and we all four get along very well. And we have a text thread where we talk almost every day, and we give each other pointers, we give each other tips, and we look out for each other. Like, the four of us, we decided, you know, we are, you know, in a very special. Um, referee rhombus, we call ourselves the referee mm. rhombus. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's a technical term. Look it up. Uh, uh, but but the four of us all kind of you know walked into this very specific weird job on the first day, uh, and we you know we've been a team for almost two and a half years now, and I hope we will be for a long long time. So. Um, you know that that like the jealousy and talking shit on each other like what does that really accomplish like i don't know i don't, I don't understand it so we all show up with smiles and do our best and if something go, doesn't go well we're there for each other and if something goes right we give each other kudos and we watch each other's work and it's a it is um this is not a very dramatic or uh, gossip heavy podcast I, i'm sorry to report uh, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a it's a pretty exciting cool work environment nice so, and I, oh go ahead I was gonna say two two quick things. Uh, one, to go back to respecting the the athletic part of being a referee. Uh, I, I once ref. Uh, we had a uh, our own wrestling league. Uh, was it Philly Comedy Wrestling PC Dub? I, yeah, um, I've been to a couple of those. Yeah, I was gonna say in the early, <laughs> early in the early days. Yeah. yeah, I used to put like that those like those toddler mats out. Those like <laughs> yeah. interlocking like the puzzle preschool mats. Right? <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's so dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, I taught. I taught. A, I taught Goat Rodeo how to throw a to swing a chair once. Actually, I came mm. on the oh rehearsal gosh. and taught him how to swing a chair. Like I actually know. I just acted like I knew. So like, don't, <laughs> don't make me die. Sorry. Good luck. Peace. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I almost ripped my pants being a ref. So I definitely appreciate you for that. To, <laughs> yeah. to like be able to move as 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 swiftly as you can. But uh, we were talking about earlier about like having friends, like with like working with friends, and like that's what us three we hope to do one day that we're making money together like doing right. things that we want to do but uh how cool was it because the look on your face there like when when ruby came in and won the battle <laughs> royal the yeah. look on your face is just so it was so pure of like Hey, buddy. Hey, pal. Yep. It was just so like, cool. I, I almost cried. I was like... Oh, <laughs> I, had, I, I had to get out of the ring. I was like, I'm going to cry on TV. I, gotta get out of here. Uh, I, uh, I think I refed her like third or fourth match or something in like mm. 2012 or 13. Mm. And uh, she trained under this guy named Billy Rock in Lafayette, Indiana. And, and a lot of his students would come to work for Chikara. And some of the Chikara guys would go out to Indiana and work. So she's kind of like, you know, we were like cousins in in wrestling school parlance and 
there's no denying that she's very talented and it's obvious from yeah. day one of seeing her and she got a lot of her reps wrestling guys much like candace LeRae and pwg and she got a lot better wrestling guys and she's just awesome and i don't understand how you have someone that talented and kind and uh, amazing <laughs> under your under your employee and then let her go but I'm so glad she did uh, because I reached out to her and, you know, got her in touch with Cody Rhodes and some conversations were had. And I also, you know, as my dual role as the travel manager, uh, you know, got to plot with her how we're going to sneak her in and, you know, get her to to Chicago and everything. And I, you know, personally waited for her at the back gate, snuck her in myself. And we had this moment. It's like, I'm so glad you're here. And then she had to go get to work and I had to go get to work. And then, after the match, I, you know, told the refs, I called, I was like, hey, you know, we always kind of, after a battle royal, it sounds like a small thing, but we always kind of talk about who's going to go in and raise the person's hand. So, A, three of us aren't trying to do it at the same time, or B, <laughs> no no one does, and everyone's looking at each other. So I just kind of said, hey, can I can I have this one? I, You know, let me call dibs on this. If she wins, it, it's not predetermined, guys. She tried her best. Uh, she, you know, she threw out all the other women. And, uh, you know, it was exciting to have that surprise in me for about two months. And then when it happened and then for me to be the one and and it was just this very real moment. And, you know, I, it you know, why stifle real moments, you know, and uh, why, why, why not act on that? Because that's a cool thing. And I've gotten a lot of really nice uh, messages and tweets and all this good stuff uh, about that. And it's, you know, that on the same night as, you know, refereeing for CM Punk, his first match in seven and a half years, which is crazy. Like it was, you know, a a professional high of a night that uh, I'm not going to brag about myself, but us hugging is in the is in the rampage opening now. <laughs> it's in the yeah. opening sequence, <laughs> and someone so tweeted, dope. showed. I was like, oh, that's really cool. That's 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 like you know, that's kind of immortalized in a way. So, whatever happens to her, whatever happens to me, like we had that moment together, and I'm so I'm so so glad we did. But you know, after we hugged and I looked at her, I was like, I'm gonna start crying. I need to get out of this ring right now. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, she's awesome. I think it is. Um, you know. Uh, not what, not uh, how much is she going, not what is she going to accomplish, it's how much she's going to accomplish, you know. The sky's the limit. There's no limitation to her personality and her talent, and I think she's going to make the women's division a better place, and she arguably already has, and she's been here yeah. for a week. So, uh, yeah, a lot of exciting things. I, I'm very excited to see her and Britt lock it up uh, one of these oh, days. Man. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah and, and just for the record... Her fucking theme song has been stuck in my head. Right? It's <laughs> week. It's so catchy. She got she it's got so permission catchy. from the singer from Rancid that we can use it as much as we want. No unlimited, no pro, no questions asked. It's a, oh, that's yeah. dope. And that's and cool. knowing knowing what some of the songs cost, uh, you know, the Pixies for Orange Cassidy or yeah. the Wild Thing for Mox, like this one, this this Rancid Ruby Soho deal, this was a this was a steal. <laughs> Everybody wins here. So yeah, no, it's it's been stuck in my head for about nine days straight. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think I don't uh I don't know if it was uh, AEW or if it was somewhere in Chikara, but you're definitely the first referee that I saw do the uh, the two hand double pinfall count. The there's oh. two, like, <laughs> oh, yeah. is that is that is that is that, is that your brainchild or did, or I don't is know. it maybe? Uh, <laughs> I I can't think of where I've saw it or uh, but I don't know. It's possible. It's definitely possible. 
I, yeah. I, I uh, sadly admit to doing today is actually the anniversary of 19 years since I refereed my first match. It was oh, a, sure. uh, it was a, it was the, fr- it was a 9/11 benefit show. It was in Bayonne, New Jersey, which is right across the bridge from New York. Uh, it was the one year anniversary of 9/11 in 2002, and they meant to do a 10 bell salute before the show, so we all had to come out and center and excited. This is my first night. I'm so nervous. My parents are there. My girlfriend is there. I'm a fr- 19 years old. And they ring the bell nine times, and they, I guess the guy ringing the bell just miscounted, and they did, never rang it a tenth time. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, no. The eighth thing, the ninth thing, he just looks around, and there's this weird silence, like, well, okay, I guess I guess we're done here, and we all just walk in the oh, back. <laughs> that was, we're still that, waiting for that, that last my, bell. Right, right? <laughs> that was my first night as a, in the world of pro wrestling. I was like, okay, <laughs> it's it's going to be like that, huh? So, uh, <laughs> 19 years later, like literally <laughs> half my life, you know, this now here I am. Uh, that's cool. That's really cool. And I guess thank you for giving us this Wait, exclusive. You, are, you saying, are you saying 9-11 is cool? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, guys, I've been canceled like Marsh three story. times. <laughs> Marsh, I can't believe. Is you. this the kind of stuff was... that goes over at the birthday bar? Come on. <laughs> exactly. It, I mean, it worked. <laughs> you know, I, I might smoke <laughs> yeah, PBRs and and cigarettes but i'm you know i'm a comic no but um you know it's really dope that like I, I don't think any of us knew that it was your the anniversary of your first match which is like yeah, yeah what a what is serendipity a lot of yeah. serendipitous shit happens to you bryce <laughs> I, think it, I think it happens to a lot of people uh truly a lot a lot of wrestling is being in the right place at the right time and uh you know because i was nice to the young bucks 12 years ago uh they gave me a shot and then i got a contract and then i did good enough to get another contract it's a lot of a lot of just being in the right place at the right time and like and i uh this is a you know free advice for anyone in all of life uh i used to do these seminars before covid and everything and uh i would always end the seminars with and like don't be a dick uh that sounds like a really low-hanging fruit but it's really true People don't want to help dicks. People want to help people who are not dicks. And it's so easy to just not be a dick. And whether it's comedy or my real job, my old real job, which was an advertising assistant at a pharmaceutical company uh, or, or printing T-shirts or whatever, it's like you'd be amazed how far not being a dick goes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You know, I guess, you know, here I am, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's weird how it all works, but uh, everything happens for some form of a reason, I suppose. But it's, uh, it is, it's really exciting to, you know, um, Chikara was like the cool band that uh, some friends like secretly knew about and would tell their friends about and, you know, had definitely had its ups, but like AW is a whole thing. Like it's a yeah. whole movement. Like now, you can, now you're you can a part it. of NSYNC. <laughs> it's yeah, like, right. <laughs> Maybe not quite NSYNC, but yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, like it, it, is, it is a movement. Like there's people waiting outside the arenas and, you know, wanting to sign stuff and post for pictures and stuff. And it is people in the, lo- in the ho- lobbies of hotels with pictures and stuff to sign. And, you know, especially lately since Punk and Danielson and Adam Cole and Ruby joined us, like there is a wave of momentum and just like, um, I've refereed on shows legitimately in front of 18 people. I've done comedy in, in literally, I remember being in New York City doing a comedy festival and the crowd was four people and three of them are people that I brought. Next week, I'm going to go to New York City and do a show in front of 18,000 people at a tennis Eesh. stadium. And it's just like, 
unless I break my leg or have a heart attack or something, who's to say? But theoretically, <laughs> uh, next week, I'm going to be in New York City at a tennis stadium refereeing. My dad wants to come. Like, he's so excited. He's coming yeah. with me to the show and stuff. Like, uh, it's it's just crazy. And, and, and these places, these shows in front of four people in New York City and these shows in, in front of 18 people in Elks Lodges and, you know, places where they forget the ring or you don't get paid or you get paid in hot dogs and T-shirts, all that stuff makes you appreciate refereeing on pay-per-views with CM Punk and 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 refereeing in tennis stadiums and refereeing on national TV and, you know, whatever it is. And the icing, like, I would love this job anyway, but I get to do it with my friends. I get to do it with Eddie Kingston and Ruby Soho and Orange Cassie and Chuck Taylor, who I've known for 15 years, and we're at my wedding, literally. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and one way or another, we all end up in these weird, crazy jobs for a reason, and I don't, in, I don't intend on me going anywhere. I don't intend on AEW going anywhere. And I think the last month or so has really kind of solidified AEW in the conversation of uh, a long-term player in the world of pro wrestling. And it's, you know, it's the U.S. for now. But once the the COVID dust settles, you know, it, I I I think it's I feel confident in saying it's when not if. Canada, the UK, Japan. Eventually, hopefully, I've never been to Japan. I'd love to go to Japan, yeah. uh, selfishly. But the you know, the sky's the limit. There's there's exciting things happen. The 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 the, the winds of change are blowing. The waves are cresting. Yeah. All the all the metaphors, all the similes, whatever it is. <laughs> but it's it's happening, and I'm excited to be on the boat. Yeah, it's such a fun and exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Uh, yeah. It really is. Um, and like you said, AEW has so much momentum right now, and um, I guess my next question for you is like, and I, I hope you guys haven't asked this already, but uh, did you have any holy shit moments when meeting any particular wrestlers? Like, um, I, uh, as the travel manager, I had to call Sting and, you know, help book his flights and his cars and all that stuff when he was a surprise. No one knew he was even coming yet. And, uh, you know, uh, one Sunday morning, just brushing my teeth. And uh, my I, my phone's laying on the sink, and it lights up, and it vibrates, and it just says "sting." <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish that you had Shivani's uh, voice over it, just like <laughs> "sting." As <laughs> your goes on, be believable. <laughs> uh, yep, that's my uh, that 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 was a big one. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, just because he was, you know, when Sting wrestled Hulk Hogan at the Starcade in DC, like I was there. I was in the very top row of the arena. Uh, so I, as a 14 year old, went to DC to go to Starcade and I was in the top row of the arena. And then I refereed in that arena. The first dynamite was in that arena in DC. And then I met Sting and then I refereed for Sting a couple weeks ago on dynamite when he wrestled 2.0 for some reason, which is a crazy dash. <laughs> uh, but there I am. Me, yeah. Sting, Darby Allen and 2.0 in Houston, Texas. Things first match on television in 20 years. And his old travel, you know. And it's just a little stuff. It's walking down the hall and Tully Bridge going, hey, Bryce, what's up? You know, how's it going? And he's, you know, asking how my kids are and, and staying in Arn Anderson and, um, you know, Jake the Snake and just these guys that I literally grew up watching. And uh, it's, it, 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 is, it, it is never something I'll take for granted, never something I'll be like, yeah, it's no big deal. That's my buddy Sting. Like, no, no, no. Like, <laughs> it is a big deal. It's really cool. Uh, you know, texting with Chris Jericho. Like, how did I get here? What, 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 am, I, what, what, what am I doing? You know, what's going on? Um, 
but yeah, that's 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 my life and that's my job. And uh, I I you take it seriously when it's time to take it seriously, and then also take the moments when you know maybe it's flying home and no one's watching to to be like, mm-hmm. no, like I'm old enough to realize that this is cool and I need to stop and smell the roses and appreciate this. And I didn't want to be a pharmaceutical advertising assistant forever. I, this is like, I like, this is a dream I had that I didn't, didn't know existed. So I couldn't dream it, but this is my mm. dream job. I'm living my dream job every week. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Here we mm. are. Having the travel manager job gives me a weird, you know, where I have to, you know, text people during the week and arrange their travel and make sure they're taken care of and try to help them out where I can. And, you know, um, from the littlest, newest guy to Tony Khan himself and just like making sure they're all taken care of. And it is not always glamorous or fun or exciting. But another thing I would say in my silly seminars, the, the more hats you are, the harder it is to get rid of you. So if you are... Hey. You know, postering at the comedy theater and you're doing social media for the comedy theater and you're also a comedian, yeah, maybe you'll be more likely to get the slot when they have when there's an open opportunity for someone. So that was kind of always my MO on the indies. I would be the guy that would, you know, I'll drive my car, I'll I'll print out map quest directions in 2004 because we don't have the maps on our phones yet. And I'll yeah. look at the hotel where we're gonna stay. And I'll figure out what time you have to leave, where we're gonna meet, and all that logistic type stuff that I sort of kind of turned into, you know, the second leg of my job. Uh, and the a lot of the times the time in my week that I spend on that is way more than the time I'm actively refereeing in a ring. Yeah. Uh, but you know they they work together. It gets I have you know left the ring, got on my phone, and done work on my phone like travel wise. I've run right from the ring, gone to my laptop to book a flight or a car or a hotel or something like that happens every week. That's just yeah. but that those are the hats I wear, and I try to wear them both with equal pride and effort and so they'll be stuck with me forever and ever and ever they'll have to bury me with it and then we handcuff myself to the turnbuckles in the last night and go, go down go down with the ship yeah because like if you were just the referee would you even have like sting's phone number like would oh uh, no probably yeah. not yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So take that, take that, right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it is that. That is that is very true. That is very true. And I actually, you know, as the travel manager, quote unquote, I do like the higher end VIP type folks. So when it's you know a surprise coming to town, or you know making sure the fans don't see Brian Danielson at the hotel in Chicago, that type of stuff. Like that's also one of my uh, the arms of my octopus. So. Um, yeah, no, it's the it's all good. It's I'm, I I it, it, people that want to talk about AEW, people that are excited about AEW, like that's kind of the lifeblood. That's what's going on. Like in in 1999, 11 or 12 million people were watching wrestling every Monday night, and now two million people watch wrestling every Monday night. And all those 10 million people didn't die. <laughs> they didn't leave the United States. They didn't crawl into wormholes. And yeah. we're gonna get them. Some of them did. Some of them probably did. Some of them probably did. I wouldn't say. Uh, you know, millions did. Uh, <laughs> so we're 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 trying to find them. And we're trying to get them back one by one, one at a time. They tell their friends. They tell their friends. You hear, you know, now we're showing pay per views in movie theaters. People are having parties now that it's safe to gather again slightly, a little yeah. bit more. Um, like that's that's what's it. Uh, you know, one at a time, one family at a time, one person at a time. Like you can feel it in the arenas. Like people are pumped. It's it's the there's we're the wave is cresting, and then we are we're all we're all in this together. So. Thank you for even, you know, talking about it and speaking highly of it. That's, that's, word of mouth is so, so, so powerful and important. I mean, AEW is built in many ways by social media and by Twitter. So, like, 
you got you know tell us when we screw up because it's going to happen and yeah. you know try to try to accept those and and make that uh um, constructive and move on to the next week and try to do it better you know this is what we've been to say keep uh we're gonna play suzuki's music next time okay we're gonna play suzuki's <laughs> <laughs> no, lesson learned not, he's coming back that, we're a, gonna play it a few <laughs> I, I have a few things. Uh, one thing, kind of like you, you kind of answered one of the questions I had because, like, uh, one of the things I always love finding out about people is like whenever they get to where they are, was there anything that kind of like trained them into what they're what they end up doing? And you kind of answered that with like you took on like the booking stuff back in the day, yeah. so now it's almost like second nature or your first nature, if you want to say like that. Uh, now, yeah. it's, uh, it's, but it's, it's doing it. It's making it a much more powerful uh way with a much 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 bigger budget uh but yes it is it is the same idea I, and i think to to connect it to you guys like um comedy training and i was a, i was a sketch guy I only did improv a couple times because i'm not very good at it but um you know the way you react to something and knowing, you know, where the crowd is, where the cameras are, you know, channeling something that, oh, this got a reaction this time. I should try that next time. I would do that in the indies a lot. Like, I would try something one night, see how it was react to, see if anybody commented on it or complimented on it. Or And I was always the guy in the indies that, that you know, I wanted to do all the different situations. Like, there's a there's a 10-way ladder match. There's a, a one-hour Ironman match. There's a, you know, whatever it is. Like, I want to try it. I want to do all the weird things because that's just building up my resume. And, like, mm-hmm. I wanted to do comedy in weird places. When you're doing sketch comedy, I wanted to do it in laundromats and, and <laughs> comedy theaters yeah. and, you know, and you do go do travel in some of these festivals and breweries and whatever it is. Like, I want to do all those weird things because those build character. Those build yeah. stripes, you know? Like, that's that's how you get better at stuff like that. So, so uh, doing a it, set at Ray's Happy Birthday Bar. Yeah, see, right, right. It's just a notch in my belt. Right. Just another, just another chapter in your autobiography. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but but comedy prepared me, you know, being in front of crowds where you're, you know, even even like hosting shows. And this sounds silly, but like going out there and just, hey, what's up, guys? And, and uh, you know, trying some stuff you thought might be a good idea, watching some of it fail, watching some of it succeed, you know, having an open net with the crowd. And that happens, you know, now that we have crowds back too during commercials. Like I'll just start bantering with some dudes in the second row and goofing off a little bit and going back and forth with them. And, you know, uh, they'll say stuff, they'll yell something at me, I'll yell something back. We're having a good time. And then we, you know, got to go be on TV. But like, I do believe that my time doing sketch comedy and being in front of comedy crowds, you know, I'm terrified of stand up, uh, improv, you know, was too rich for my blood. I tried it a couple times. I was very much like, I think of it as the, 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 the parallel is like in sketch comedy is like pro wrestling. You plan what's going to happen and then you execute what you talked about. And there might be some bumps in the road, but by and large, you have an idea what's going to happen out there. Uh, UFC is like improv. Um, <laughs> so like, I think I, I think I might've said this in the study hall, but it's like uh, UFC is like, Oh, will it be good? Who knows? Like maybe it'll be crazy. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe it'll be over in 30 seconds. Someone will break their arm. Like who's this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was, I'm very much the, the, the planner mindset, the like, let's talk about it before and go out there and let's practice our lines 30 times and let's call the match 30 times let's talk about exactly where we're going to stand and exactly what we're going to say so it goes as best it can and that is one of the reasons the thing with ruby was so um exciting i guess in some ways for me at least because it wasn't talked about it wasn't planned it was a legitimate spontaneous moment that was improvised and both of us felt empowered enough in our 
status in our characters or whatever, much like you're doing an improv set, to like, no, let's go here. Let's do this. And it sounds like a silly, dumb thing, but, you know, not only did we not get yelled at for it, the PR woman told us she loved it because it was good PR. And I was like, well, anytime. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. I went on no, a road that way there. No, not, by all means, keep going. Uh, but, but, and oh, also, great. like, what I, I liked about there was a callback to that hug. I think the next week or the next. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine Ruby went to go hug and then she got cheap shotted in the back. They took it away in the back. <laughs> yeah, me, yeah. me, 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 me. Yep, 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 yep. So the detail. Was, right, right, right. Oh, Always yeah. Yep, yep. So I don't, I don't think I can do that title match. I won't be impartial. I'm afraid. <laughs> we've established the timeline now that i can't i can't that that's a, that's a that's a job for paul turner I think. yeah <laughs> that'll probably be like your your official heel turn yeah. <laughs> that's when he goes full bill alfonso and... oh no <laughs> i need a whistle i'm gonna need a whistle oh yeah <laughs> now i got a quick question for you Bryce. Of course. um uh do you think Orange Cassidy would work in front of a WWE crowd? I think Orange Cassidy might work in front of a WWE crowd, but I don't yeah. think Orange Cassidy would necessarily work. I don't think WWE would release the um, reins. I don't think they'd let him get... Um, I don't think they'd let him be himself. I think sure. they'd mm. try to find a way to homogenize it or not give him the time or the energy. Like That's... That's that's the character he was doing in Chikara. That's the character yeah. he was doing on the Indies. Yeah. Now he's doing it with Sting and Chris Jericho, and you know, that's crazy. <laughs> but, right? That is it's fucking the, crazy. It's Just hearing you guy. say that is nuts. It's the same character that was doing it in front of a hundred people at the Wrestle Factory in Northeast Philadelphia, and when it was hundred degrees and there was two hundred people there. Like now he's doing it in front of in front of pavers, in front of you know. Now he's selling a bajillion T-shirts, and every once in a their Comic Con and stuff. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. Like he's doing the same thing. He didn't start playing a different kind of music to get poppy or whatever you know he didn't join a boy band or whatever like he's that that that's him he's doing it and yeah. uh so I, I think that if wwe fans gave him a chance they might come to appreciate him but i don't think wwe would truly um give him the uh they wouldn't let him spread his wings that far sure Sure. Yeah, Vince would probably have him like chasing the fucking twenty four seven championship every time. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Slowly walking and turning up. Like as soon as the champion turns around, he's like right there chilling, like an orange, orange. Like what's up? Hey, how's it going? Something like yeah, that. See, that would be good, but you right. know that they would never I, do that. Again, this is another instance of us <laughs> writing something for WWE that's way better than what <laughs> we're just fucking around, and it's way better than what's happening <laughs> weekly. <laughs> Another another friend of mine is Drew Gulak, who I think is a Philadelphia oh, guy. Another Chicago oh, we guy. love that. Very, very, very talented professional wrestler. Great guy. And uh, sometimes I see what they do with him, and I just kind of scratch my head a little bit because I yep. don't quite understand it. But it's not for me to understand, you know? Like, you got this guy who's, like, this badass, amazing pro wrestler and mm-hmm. um, whatever, you know? Just tis what tis. Tis what it is. Yep. Yep. You, t- you talk about guys, I, and I don't want to get you in trouble because I don't know <laughs> what the tampering rules are, but you talk about guys who uh, you want, like, as a fan of uh, certain guys uh, that are in WWE, and we, we all know how great they are in ring. Um, Gulak is a, such a good technical wrestler. Um, and you, you talk about guys that you so want to... Yeah, he really is. And you talk about people that you want to see um, just given the opportunity to really uh, be themselves and really show off their skill set. 
Um, he's definitely one of the guys that's at the top of the list. Yeah, we can we can only uh, you know we we can only control what we can control and we can yeah. only do our best and that's you know where we're at here. That's where that's how that's how how it rolls. I guess I don't know. <laughs> If you're listening, Drew, get get that get them checks, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> I feel like he is. I feel like he is. I'm, uh, no, I'm, uh, I'm sort of wanting down here, gents. I don't want to cut you off, but I'm no, uh, it's all good. Uh, I'm sorry to I I don't you know I'm not gonna abscond into the night and just hit the cancel button, but I'm, <laughs> yeah, no. I'm pow- powering down here tonight. Yeah, it's all good. Um, we could probably ask a few uh, quick round robin questions. Sure, sounds great. I'd love that. Yeah. Um. I know. I think I know which question you might be headed yeah, towards, I'll Mars. Yeah, um, but I'll just ask a couple. Um, top theme all time. Oh man, um, the Fabulous Rougeau Brothers, All American Boys. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> all another, right. another earworm. Okay. Uh, uh, Jive, Jive Soul Bro, uh, Slick, and the One Man Gang, or the Slick and Akeem as well. I understand okay. that was, probably that that act wouldn't work today for a variety of reasons. <laughs> but the song itself. <laughs> The song isolated by itself is a very catchy wrestling theme song. And I'm on record uh saying that I still enjoy the Akeem character because it makes okay. me laugh. Okay, that's yeah, good enough. That, that, yeah, that was like two episodes ago too. Yep, I'm on wax. I'll double down and triple down. All right. Um uh top finish all time. What's your favorite finish? Oh man. Um it, it is it is because it's recent for me, but uh watching uh Pax Black Arrow from in the ring, like being in the ring and watching him do it, coming into the ring, it like takes my breath away every time. And I've seen it, you know, dozens of times maybe. Uh, but just watching it happen inside the ring, it's just like it's amazing that a body can do something so um, specific and controlled with such, you know, like like life or death paralysis implications, and it's always perfect. Like uh, just a, a, another level. Yeah. Um. I, I, this would be my last question, and I'll pass it to uh, Keen or Mars if you have any. Um. Is should Gold Dust be considered more than just a footnote in the Attitude Era? I th- I th- I think that Gold Dust started the Attitude Era, but that's another conversation. I won't disagree with you. Um. Uh. That's very possible. I think that. Uh, yeah. Definitely more than a footnote. Absolutely more than a footnote. I think. Uh, you know, I don't think they always had a plan as to where it was going, where it was going to be necessarily, but some 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 walls were broken down and some conversations were had that people weren't thinking about in wrestling terms in 1996 because of Goldust, for sure, for sure, for real. Take that, Steve Austin. Um, yeah. that's- <laughs> Suck on, Stone Cold. <laughs> that's what you isolate from this whole thing. It's, it's- <laughs> I my my last question. I only have one more. King, do you got you got something or do? Only got two. Only got two quick questions. Uh, one, what's your dream match to ref? Like, if there's two got like two competitors, who would you your dream match to ref? It would have been uh, Andy Kaufman versus Jerry Lawler at the Mid South Coliseum oh, in uh, Memphis, Tennessee, in 1982. <laughs> Hell yeah. uh, but I wasn't born yet, so it would have been po- it would not have been possible. But I have done. I think I have um, refereed for Jerry Lawler. I have refereed a match in which Jimmy Hart was managing on the outside. I have refereed. I've. Uh, I have been to the basement of Jerry Lawler's Bar and Grill, which is a ribs place in Memphis on Beale Street, and talked about Andy Kaufman with Jerry Lawler in his hey. restaurant in Memphis. And that is like 
A plus fanboy. It was a, it was a, it was it was me, Tony Khan, and Jerry Lawler just asking all these ridiculous fanboy questions about how this happened and you know the ambulance he called and Letterman and all. This. And we were basically having our own private shooter review with Jerry Lawler in his restaurant in Memphis. And I was just like, well, I'm never gonna referee for Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler, but this I think might be as close as I'll ever get. <laughs> so <laughs> I have I've got I've taken all the avenues toward that that I can to make that thing that will never happen happen. Dope, dope. Uh, my my last question is: uh, Is there anybody in AEW who like people should be paying attention to in a few years? Because I think it's Lee Johnson, but sure. uh, I think it's Lee Johnson. Like, too. Is, oh, I think it's Lee Johnson. <laughs> I, think it's, I think I think it's Lee Johnson. I think it is. A, I think, and he's getting a, a little more shine now. But I think once you like, once you give Ricky Starks the ball, like yep. truly give it to him, oh. yep. you're never gonna you're never gonna see the ball again. No, um, <laughs> he is put on this earth to be a television pro wrestler. Yeah, uh, and I don't. I think we we're only scratching the surface with what we what what he can do. Uh, for sure, Lee Johnson. There's a there's an innate charisma and talent there that we just don't have. We haven't seen all of yet. I think Daniel Garcia is going to be really 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 special if he's not already. Um, just that dude's 22 years old and he's hanging in with Darby and Mox and Kingston like he belongs like he belongs with them. Yeah. He's been a pro wrestler for like 2 years or whatever. He's 22 okay. years old, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think there's a lot to come and there's a guy that just actually signed this last week by the name of Lee Moriarty who's based out of Pittsburgh. Um, I love that guy. He yeah. has a, a lot of charisma, a lot of potential and once he kind of puts it all together, which I think AEW is going to help him do um, another guy. This guy's limit. It'll be very exciting to watch uh, what where these guys are at in two years, four years, ten years, etc. Okay. Awesome. And my my last or yeah, my last question, and I guess the last question, um, putting you in the hot seat. Uh, you have to one thing that we only you're only, you're our second guest, so uh, but this is going to be a thing that we do with all of our guests. Um, okay. You have to create a stable of five black wrestlers. Um, they could be old, new, current, um, anything. Uh, it could be male, female, all five. The only rule that you have to abide by is that no two wrestlers in this stable um, could have been in a stable or a tag team before. So you can't have, uh, you know, Kofi and, and Big E, and you can't have, like, uh, The Rock and Farouk. All right? I'm going to give you a Bad News Brown. Yeah, because these guys never never in a stable. The mm-hmm. Awesome Kong for sure. She was there yeah. for a hot minute there. Yeah. Uh, five, I need. Yep. Butch Reed, who's an un- completely underappreciated guy. I mean, he was, yeah. a, he was in a tag team, never a stable. I think a lot of people, he, his his work got a lot of shine after he passed away, unfortunately, earlier this year. Uh, but man, oh man, he was amazing. Uh, and was Shelton Benjamin in a stable. Oh. Yeah, but yeah, you you could use Shelton because uh, he it, it, just two people can't be could, can't have been in a stable together. Okay, yeah, is that five? Did I do five? I think that's I got four. Okay, yeah. let's put in. Uh, I'm gonna I because we talked about this earlier before we we started. Uh, so I've been thinking about it for about an hour. Uh, I'm gonna throw a junkyard dog in there for the charisma and the thing. Yeah. Yeah, uh, dude, right, right, selling right, out right, the right, Superdome right. in New Orleans, and a lot of what we saw on a national scale was him in his like waning years. But you go back to some of that mid South, uh, late early '80s, you know, Texas, Louisiana stuff, like Arkansas, like he was over like nobody's business. Mm. Charismatic dude. 
getting over like headbutting someone and biting, you know, like small, <laughs> small, simple stuff, you know, like that's how you know you're over. That's like, you know, the way the road dog dances, Scotty Tuhati's worm, the rock yeah. raising his eyebrow. Like when you get little stuff like that over, you're freaking over. Orange Cassie giving a orange comes up, right? Yep. Right? Yep. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Awesome. Oh, yeah. What a delight, gents. We'll have to do this again someday. Yeah, thanks Absolutely. so much, man. This Sorry, is I, like, so I, didn't mean, I didn't mean to steamroll the conversation. But I really no, like, no, no, no. This is the reason please. why we wanted you on, because like exactly. we know that you have a wealth of knowledge. We know that you're such a fan and um, such a, an expert uh, at just like being around uh, actual real pro wrestling. And you're, you're legit. So um, thank you for, for you know blessing us with your time, man. Oh, I'm blessing anything, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, don't, be, don't, don't be strangers. Sorry, it took so long to get to make this happen. But I, I, I thanks for thinking of me. And uh, you know, if there's any any way I can help you out sometime, let me know. I hope to see you guys at Dynamite in Philly in October. Hell yeah, Hell yeah, we'll be there. Hell All yeah, right. come say hi. Let me know where you're sitting. Ah, do. Definitely. Thanks so much, man. All right, right, cheers, guys. Have a great appreciate night. You, you too. Man. Soon. All right, peace. Good night. Yeah. Nice yeah, right, man. What the fuck? <laughs> that was what a real. good guy. Good guy. Yeah, man. Such a such a pure guy. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So I don't know. I guess that's. that's I it. mean, I mean, <laughs> you guys want to plug anything? I mean, <laughs> no. <laughs> no nah. I'm good. Nope. I'm good. I'm yeah. good. That was same that's here. Enough. Same that's here. Enough. And you know what? I'm Just glad pop. that he. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, just follow all of us, our respective uh, uh, Twitters. Uh, follow Bryce. He's amazing. Uh, yeah. Follow the page uh, for Locking Up, uh, uh, a Black Wrestling Podcast yeah, on Instagram. Uh, yep. A Black Pro Wrestling uh, Podcast. Black Pro Wrestling Podcast. I should know my own shows. It's uh, all right. It's all right. Twitter. Hey, we, we made the Godfather laugh this week, so that's a, that's a great thing. I was thing. so hype about that. I was so <laughs> hyped, dude. I tried to. I was hoping we was going to get that follow, but you know what? I'll take what I can get. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you know, in some worlds, a laugh is more valuable than a follow. That's right. You know I'm saying, That's give me, right give me some, yeah, give, give me a couple of, of little crying emojis, and, and you got my money. <laughs> uh, I'm glad to know he was somewhere sitting smoking a stogie. He's like, that motherfucker's crazy. Exactly. Yeah, he's probably high <laughs> shit too, which is awesome. That's that's the best. That's the like whenever you can get an old black person to say you crazy. That's how you know you're really funny. <laughs> Oh, well. Well, hey, look, on behalf of uh, Bryce Remsberg and myself and Keen and Marsley, uh, and thank God he wasn't here for this because I don't know how this would go over, but fuck Hulk Hogan, guys. Yeah, yeah. He's like, but that's my hero. (laughs) 